Welcome to the DEI Discussions podcast series. This is the Women of Fintech chapter, and we are recording live in front of an audience at Money 2020 in the Money Pot. We are here today to celebrate the wins, raise awareness of the challenges, and walk the talk for change across the entire financial technology industry. And today, we are joined by the founder of Blue Money. It's Nina Mahanti, and I am super excited to be talking to you. I'm so, so excited to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me, Nadia. And you've just told me it is your birthday. It your is my birthday. 30th, if I'm allowed to tell yes, you. Yes, it is my 30th birthday. At Money 2020, and <laughs> she has got a tiara in her hand, yes. and she's definitely going to wear it. Yes, exactly, exactly. Draw unnecessary attention to myself Absolutely. on well, this special day. <laughs> I think necessary. And do you know what, Nina? I'm super happy to be talking to you, because this has been a long time coming, right? It really has. Like You're very active talking about inclusion across the sector. My whole hashtag of walking the talk for change, you literally embody that so Try I'm to. so happy for you to be here and, and us doing this live as well is super exciting but before we get into all of it tell us a bit more about Bloom Money. So Bloom Money is an early stage fintech company we're based in the UK and our mission at Bloom Money is to accelerate the growth of generational wealth for immigrant communities. We often refer to them as diaspora communities as well but we're really talking about the people who are low to medium income immigrants. They are the people who I believe really make society move forward, whether they are literally driving our buses or our tubes or cleaning our offices or taking care of our children or our elderly. These are the folks that have come to the UK or Europe to create a better life. And we are going to be their financial helper in doing that. Mm. It's the infrastructure, the, the people that make the infrastructure work. A lot of people just take for granted and assume it's always going to work and be there. Mm -hmm. So it's super powerful. I'd love for you to tell us about your role and why you started it. And also, I love the name Bloom. Like, like doesn't that evoke, well, yes, <laughs> you tell me, but it evokes a lot of passion from me and, and Definitely. I understand it. So it's funny because we've been doing a bit of branding and messaging work at Bloom and... There's apparently it's from scripture and there's a phrase which is bloom where you are planted. And that's very much been the ethos of, of bloom as a company. This idea that you can be uprooted from your home country. You can be placed somewhere new, planted somewhere new, in this case in the UK or Europe, and you can still bloom and thrive and not just survive, but become a beautiful flower, right? And bloom financially as well. So I am the co-founder and CEO, and I never thought I was going to be a founder, ever. <laughs> I was very used to joining other people's companies and seeing their vision and being like, I'm on board, let's do it, and we'll I'll execute against your vision. And it had never occurred to me that it could be my vision, <laughs> you know, setting the scene for everyone, that other people would come and join a team to build towards that vision. And so it's really the culmination of my life experience being the daughter of two immigrants, but also the culmination of my experience working at fintech companies such as MasterCard, Starling Bank, Klarna. I guess it just meant it was time to start my own business. And I'm so pleased that you did. And you know what, just the way you explain that about the, you know, the name Bloom and everything that you're doing, the purpose, the passion, the mission behind it. It's just so brilliant to hear. Mm. And, you know, me personally, like, I talk a lot about a flower not being able to bloom if it's in an environment that doesn't support it. That, to me, is very much around 
what I'm trying to do from building more inclusive environments mm -hmm. point of view. So I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that and how important inclusivity is in building environments around it. Yes, well, I think you and I are on the same page and hopefully the listeners are as well. I think the environment that you're in dictates whether you thrive or survive or hopefully not perish. And this is across every aspect of our industry, whether it's at Bloom where we're building inclusive products for underserved people, or if we're talking about those that are underrepresented within our industry. And I, I think about this all the time where people kind of go, oh, I couldn't find any women for the team, or I couldn't find someone to speak on stage or whatever. And people kind of go, oh, it's a pipeline problem. We don't have enough women coming through, or young girls studying STEM or whatever. Demonstrably, that's false, actually, because there are more women, especially in the Western world, that are graduating with STEM degrees than ever, and they're actually outpacing men. I actually think it's the environment that where we have a problem. It's a leaky pipeline problem. It's not a pipeline issue. We've got them coming in. It's people falling out. And I have been on the receiving end of sexual discrimination, of sexual harassment. It's not always a nice industry to work in. I mean, I'm going to state the obvious. We're at Money 2020, and it is still predominantly men. And that's fine, and we love them, and they're here with their T-shirts, but you've got... Every once in a while, I run into a woman wearing a really great power suit like Nicole mm. or, you know, seeing someone in a gorgeous dress. And I'm like, you look fabulous. And I'm glad that you are wearing color and drawing attention to yourself because we need to make it known that we're here and that other women can also rise up in the ranks as well. And I've seen too many women think that they found a home at a fintech company and they feel like, you know, the, the hiring team said all the right things and they said all the right things about flexible work or, you know, career advancement. And then when push comes to shove, it just doesn't end up happening. Or heaven forbid, they join an early stage startup and they don't get the same equity that the men get and therefore aren't having the same economic upside as the rest of the teams. So it's something that, you know, as I carry on in my career, I'm always advocating for young women to get in as well, but always trying to figure out how can we make sure that the women already in it stay in it. You are literally just describing my entire career mission here. So I'm, I'm massively passionate about everything that you said. And Leaky Pipeline, absolutely spot on. Like, how, how do we retain the demographics that everyone's saying that they want to see more of, but they can't see? Mm -hmm. And, you know, that, that sort of excuse. And it's, it's almost like it's a, a conscious bias. You know, like, and we all go, oh, yes, yes, we, we can't find them. Well, no, we can. Yeah. And I'm dedicated to really increasing that visibility. So I'm so happy you said that. With regards to embedding inclusion in the industry, what do you think we need to be doing more of on a day-to-day -to, -day to allow that leaky pipeline to start solidifying? I think we're seeing it improve now. So there are, I think with the pandemic, obviously it was an awful, surreal few years and it still is I had COVID a few weeks ago oh, it's I'm not so over yet yeah but the silver lining of COVID was this idea of flexible work and I know that you know in the states definitely definitely in the city in London there's kind of been a push to go back into the office five days a week but I think most companies are actually finding a balance where it's actually come in three days or two days or something like that I think that has done wonders for retaining women 
Because let's face it, women disproportionately take on care work, whether it's for children or elderly parents or whomever it may be. And we also have little things like, you know, we menstruate and it's a bad day and I can't get out of bed or, you know, I have to go and look after someone else. Oftentimes I have to look after the neighbor's children or something like that. And there's just this unpredictability of life that men typically, I don't want to say all men, but men typically don't have to think about as much. So I think flexible work has really been a game changer. I think the second thing and the most important thing that we should be doing is extending that hand to others. So I've been invited to a few events that were kind of more exclusive around Money 2020. And it was, you know, a VC putting on a drinks or a dinner or something. And I'm always thinking about who can I extend a hand to? I always ask, is there an extra spot at the table? Is there room for me to bring a plus one? And I will reach out and say, hey, you other female founder, come with me. Come to this thing. Come to this room where you might not have been otherwise. And I hope that there are other women, and I know there are out there, who are doing the same for me. And they're saying my name in rooms where I'm not privy to, right? So... I think the more that we kind of bring each other into the fold, the better. And men, you can be part of the solution too, where you can be saying your female colleague's name in a meeting. You can be openly, publicly thanking her for the work that she's done. Or, you know, maybe she wasn't able to present something and she had to look after the kids. You say, thank you so much to Jane who prepared this presentation and she's been doing it amazingly, right? I very much believe in this concept of shine theory, which is this idea that, the more that you shine, everyone in your circle also shines. And I want to always bring more and more people into the fold. And it is quite contrary to what we're taught and socialized to do as women. So I'm, it sometimes feels like we're fighting against all odds because we feel that scarcity where there aren't that many women at the table. But my idea is just grab another chair, shove it in. Absolutely. <laughs> we're showing and, up. And the shine theory, I love it. Like we should be doing more of that and... and very very rightly feel comfortable in doing that Mm -hmm. because you're absolutely right we've been socialized not to so you almost feel awkward like oh yeah I'm putting another woman's name forward because I'm a woman well that happens with other genders all the time absolutely (laughs) I was talking to a female VC and she was saying yeah we were talking about energy and how is interesting is it that we as women will say like we'll kind of go oh vibes were off or she's great energy And she feels awkward bringing that to her investment team and saying, oh, I found I met this founder and she had excellent energy because it feels kind of frou-frou. But men are doing it, too. Mm. They just say, oh, yeah, I really liked his confidence or like he is, you know, he's alpha. Exactly. So it's just perhaps the way that we word it or the way that we approach it is not as, quote, professional. But that's because men have decided what's professional for so long. Exactly. Or let's just do more of it until it becomes normalised. I love it. We're going to talk about energy. Yeah. Shine theory. Love it. This is your third speaking event (laughs) at Money 2020. You've been busy. Tell us what you've been talking about. So I was very fortunate to moderate a panel on greenwashing. And that's actually something I'm very interested in more broadly talking about climate. I think all of us are quite anxious about it. I'm definitely one of those anxious millennials who is worried about the future and worried about the fate of our planet and want to be part of the solution. And incidentally, at Bloom, many of the immigrants that are coming into the Western world, into the global north, are coming from the global south where their homes are now uninhabitable. So actually, a lot of the people we are serving are direct, are a direct result of climate change. They are oftentimes 
classify as climate refugees. So that's something that's very close to my heart. And then yesterday, I had the opportunity to talk about financial literacy and empowerment and the link between the two, specifically in the lens of women, but you never really know who could be benefiting from financial literacy. And in the case of Bloom, oftentimes it's how can we make people who are new to a country financially literate in the financial system in which they're entering, which in the UK is confusing enough, even if English is your first language, right? So I'm very, very fortunate to talk about those things and, of course, be here with you. Yeah, it's fantastic, all the different topics that you are covering, how you are taking, you know, this concept that I have of walking the talk, not just saying we care about inclusion, but going and doing things that really drive it forward. And these are topics that are going to add so much value to people, change people's lives. It's just fantastic to hear all about it. So going back to you know, my obsession with this walk the talk, yes. whenever I introduce these podcasts, I always say we're here today to walk the talk for change. Love and I want uh, the audience to be an active audience, the mm. listeners to, to not just listen to what, what you're saying and say, oh, that's great, but actually go away and do something. So as my final question, if there was one thing you'd want the audience to do after listening to you today to really drive inclusion within their workplaces, what would it be? I challenge every listener in the next meeting they have to give kudos or drop the name of someone who is not getting enough airtime into the conversation, whether that is just thanking them for arranging something or you know, giving them the kudos for a really well-executed project or a great client meeting or whatever it was, I challenge you to openly say their name out loud in a meeting. I think the more we challenge ourselves to do this, and I try to do it in every meeting that I'm in, is say the name of usually a woman (laughs) or a person of color or, you know, whoever in that group. And the more you do it, the easier it gets. And you will see the benefits of it. It's that shine theory. That person will then also be afforded new opportunities because someone called them out and and gave them the kudos that they deserved publicly. Amazing. And one final question. What is next for Bloom Money? Oh, well, we are currently testing our beta, which is super exciting, terrifying at the same time. And hopefully this summer, touch wood, all going well, we will be launching live. Amazing. So it's... It's one of those surreal things, having watched, you know, having worked with Anne at Starling Bank and launched the current account, having worked at Klarna and launched various products. It's surreal that it's now, you know, my company, <laughs> Bloom, is, is blooming. And so I'm so excited. I'm so grateful, actually. I, I do want to say as well, I'm so grateful to all the people in this industry that have been cheering and rooting for us on the sidelines and supporting us and helping us troubleshoot when things don't work or whatever it may be who have tested the app, we have one of the best industries out there. Everyone is looking out for you always, and it's such a privilege to be part of it, isn't it? And what an inspiration you are. Bloom is blooming. Like, that is just a brilliant thing to close this interview on. So thank you for joining me on your 30th birthday (laughs) at Money 2020, live in the money part on the DEI Discussions podcast series. It's been great. Thank you so much, Nadia. Thank you.